Hi FM presents South African politics and news with the South African Institute of Race Relations. The IRR show, independent, relevant and real, is hosted by Sarah Gon every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10, promoting life, liberty and property rights. Before I introduce you to my guests, I'd just like to make the point that it being the election season, I reached out to a number of potential interviewees on the elections and have gone with the one interviewee who was prepared to come on. Uh, and I would then therefore like to introduce you to Municipal Councillor Nicole van Dijk of the DA. And I thought once Nicole came on that I would change the tack a little bit and do something different and essentially look at what do councillors do? What are they expected of them? What responses do they get from, from their constituents? And how does the municipality actually work? How do things get done or not, as the case may be? Uh, Nicole, welcome to the IRR show. Thank you very much, Sarah. It's wonderful to be here. And thank you for the opportunity. No, my, my pleasure. You would have gathered what I'm looking to gain from you as a councillor is where are you a councillor for and what do you do? What is your function as a councillor of the good citizens of your ward? I'm a ward councillor in, in Ward 99, um, and that is the area of, of Linden, Blagowry, Robindale, uh, Robin Acres, Robin Hills, Darrenwood, um, Jack and Lee. So there's about 25 suburbs that fall under myself. Um for any ward councillor, that's basically the standard. And we can represent anything between 20 to 45,000 residents um, within our direct ward. And basically what our job is, um, I mean, it's, it's a lot more complex than what I'm going to be explaining here today, just generally because of service delivery issues. But essentially what we are there to do is to engage with our residents on on a regular basis, listen to their concerns and their needs, make sure that we take that through to council, um, represent to the council and to our Section 79 committees, um, and hopefully bring those needs back to our community. Um, and that that puts it in a nutshell, but I can promise you there's a lot more to it than that that comes unexpectedly um, with the daily with the, with, with the daily service delivery issues of the job. When you say that, you're saying that you have irate constituents who will phone you and say, where's my water? Where are my lights? Why have they, why has my electricity disappeared? Exactly that. Um, and it goes, it goes much broader. It's, it's sort of got to a point now and it just, it speaks to, um, your discussion that you were having a little bit earlier around the news 24 out of order index. Um, in that the sense, that these that that the entities are just not delivering at the moment, or I can say, definitely for the last two years at the very least, it's fallen to ward councillors now to actually just continuously escalate issues. It seems that if we are not escalating the issues to those various entities, and if we do not sit on the entities 24/7, these things don't happen. We are currently, and I'm, I don't just speak for myself; I speak for many ward councillors across the city. Um, many of us are sitting with outages that are going into nine, ten days at this moment in time, just power outages. So it, it, it definitely falls on us. I'd like, you know, residents don't generally tend to get irate. They generally tend to understand. But, of course, their frustration with with the entities flows over onto us because, essentially, we're about the only ones that are answering the phones. Um, it's not the entities. It's not Twitter. Mm. It's certainly not the mayor. So a lot of those, um, a lot of those come onto us. A lot of those frustrations, whether it's roads, power, parks, water, pools, 
any of these things. It's it's up to ward councillors to take on. You say um, you you increasingly having to escalate the issues up. How, how does it work? How should it work in the sense that if an if you issue is raised that you want to then have attended to, how should it? How should the process work? Okay, so in an ideal world, um, what should happen is if your power does go out, you log on to citypower.mobi, which is probably your most efficient uh, logging logging tool rather than phoning through to the call center. Yeah. You get your reference number and within, within six hours, your property or your area should be back on if it's, if it's a general normal outage. Obviously, if it's a broader area outage and there are desperate problems, then it can take a bit longer. That should essentially be, be the model. The resident logs, it goes through to the entity, the entity responds and gets the, gets the situation resolved. Unfortunately, that's not happening. So what we have residents do um, as councillors is a lot of us are on residential WhatsApp groups. We ask our residents to log, post the address with the reference number, and we compile that and send it on to City Power. Um, mm. We then remain on City Power until that's on. So we basically check in with them every few hours via our service delivery WhatsApp groups, um, because I must at this point emphasize that the city is generally um, governed by WhatsApp at this moment in time. Um, and we send it onto those, onto that, onto that particular entity, and we stay on them until it's resolved. If I understand correctly, then what you're saying is, if it works properly, a citizen should be able to log a problem and have it resolved without the intervention of of the ward councillor. The ward councillor then becomes involved because of the system's these gaps or on, uh, res- there are no responses to requests, or uh, it's just failing in a myriad of different ways. Absolutely. So what we find happens now is residents, you know, they used to wait before contacting you. Okay, my power hasn't been on for the last 12 hours. Please, can you now get involved? That's no longer the case. Residents, as soon as their power's out, as soon as there's a water burst, they immediately contact us with their reference numbers and say, please, can you get this sorted? Because I think they've realized until it actually gets escalated to us, it doesn't happen. Or very, let me not say it doesn't, but it's but it's extremely rare. I find um, as a ward councillor, I'm having to escalate probably around seventy percent of the issues mm. um, in my ward. Um, what are what are <laughs> where where are the problems? What what is what is wrong? Why why are, why are the people in the council who do the work? And I presume those are people employed employees of the council. Why why are they? Not responding? Are they too few of them? Are they ill-trained? Um, prefer to do nothing? What, what 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 lies behind this failure to respond to to people's requests? I think it's generally a myriad of issues, um, and just for the main ones of water, power, and roads. With you know, those are our three you know main main infrastructural mm. issues. A lot of the a lot a lot of those entities are completely under-resourced. Um, we often hear from City Power and Jobber Water that they don't have parts. Um, they don't have the, have, have the necessary piping or there's not enough fuses. Um, the teams go out and they, they can only go out with a single ladder and bucky. Um, they don't have, they don't have the, the knowledge of dealing with a bigger outage. Then they have to come back and get a, get a contractor to deal with it. It's the mm. same with Jobber Water. Um, they're incredibly constrained because a lot of the time they have to they have to dig quite far into the ground. Then it becomes a process to hire a TLB. Um, it's it's it, it just seems to be incredibly hampered by an administration um, mm. that is not really giving them enough money. In the last two weeks, City Power. I'm not going to mention who because we try and keep our, our, our contacts mm. anonymous, but they have said to us that there was no money. That's why the outages went. 
from what should have been a day's outage um, turned into seven or eight days outage mm-hmm. because these guys just did not have money. So it's not necessarily the teams on the ground. I think the guys, the, the, the people who work in the entities, um, especially the lower end, not so much the board of mm-hmm. directors, they really care. But they mm. are completely hampered by constraints of budget, budget not being allocated correctly, not being released on time. And, and that, that really impacts what they can and can't do. I mean, I, I believe at this point in time, JRA is still waiting for nuts and bolts just for their signposts and mm. arco barriers. Um, that, you know, that, that confirms suspicions because usually, certainly my experience for my area had all the same problems is that if you can get hold of the, the the sort of the guys on the ground to do the work um one way or another that very be it will be done and it it will be about going back to get parts etc cetera, etc cetera. um but what is suggesting it invariably when things don't work well in any entity whether it's private or public it's about management it's about how the management manages the finances it's about the supply chains do do management talking broadly in in the municipality understand these processes or do they have experience of these processes? Is there money and it's not being allocated? Is there just not enough money and they need more money? I invariably find that if you want to go to the source of a problem, start at the top. Yeah, it generally does start there. I mean, so we sit in Section 79s and one of the most important Section 79s that exists, I mean, obviously along finance, is something called EIS, which is where we deal directly with pick it up, water and power. Those officials are there. And the councillors seem to raise and raise and raise and raise these issues of what the problems are. Mm-hmm. And we never get a straight line answer. It comes through in some of our financial reports that um, that the money was allocated correctly. But once it actually goes into the depot, and one, because we must remember that these entities function on their own. Mm-hmm. While they're accountable to the city of Dober, they have their own board of directors um, and they function as a company within itself. Not under a city, not not completely under a city umbrella, and that's and that seems to be where the fault lies. Mm. Um, it, it really should be a case that these that these entities probably should be brought back fully under the city. That the city hires these employees, and we don't sit with situations of contractors being mispaid and overpaid. This seems to be where the gap lies. Are these entities there? Are these entities absolutely private and contracted, or are they some sort of um creepy hybrid that that's uh do are they are they financially independent no so they so they're not financially independent much of the all, all the funding generally comes from the city from our revenue um so we at we at the beginning of a budget cycle look at how much revenue the city can potentially bring in and then we allocate that back to when we when we pass the budget and we do our idp settings um, that generally go that that particular portion of the budget which is split into capital uh, capital expenditure an operational expenditure gets given over to the entity. Um, and then it's, it's, it's reviewed every quarter just to sort of see how they are performing. Um, so we do quarterly reports. And, yeah, it's it, it, the money we, we've even – but the odd thing is we've even had situations before where the entities are not spending as they should. They actually have incredible amounts of money left over. Mm. So it, it, I, I like your description of creepy because – on one hand, there's money left over, but so often we're told that there's no money. <laughs> one of the worst signs of, of poor management is, in fact, the failure to properly spend money, not 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 saving it. Yeah. 
You don't need to save money. Money should go out into the into into the uh, suburbs and be spent on achieving something. Obviously, it raises the question as to why they've obviously proven to be completely unsuccessful. Why hasn't the uh, why why haven't the big bosses in the city council pulled them back into the taken them back over? That's an excellent question. Um, you know, we tried to do that when we, um, when I say we, I mean the Democratic Alliance. Mm. When we did take over. We did look at, um, at an institutional review to, mm-hmm. to sort of start bringing these entities back into the city. But it's also something that needs to be passed in council. And unfortunately, it was rejected. So even mm. though, you know, we, we had a minority government at that time. So if we had the majority, it probably could have passed, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just had to continue functioning with it the way it was and try and make the best of it, which I feel that we did. Um, we definitely upgraded infrastructure. And I just, you know, that's probably the most important thing that this, this particular city, Johannesburg, needs to do. Our infrastructure is so beyond broken. It's actually mm. frightening. Mm. And a very, you know, large portions of your, of your funding should generally be only going to infrastructure. Upgrading it, building new infrastructure without this, it's, it's, it's frightful. It's really frightful what's going to happen. Um, this, this raises a point that I've had sort of fun arguments with my colleagues over, and that is that um, I'm concerned, I mean, I'm not concerned. Um, the, the independent candidates need to exist in the system. They need to be able to stand on behalf of people who don't have faith in, 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 in the, in the, political party offerings. But my concern is just as you said, the system is so broken that you need to correct, you need to repair the system. And you cannot repair the system with too many independents. You actually do need a functioning political party to 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 repair the system. It's not just about saying I can get your uh, your electricity restored sooner than party X. It's actually about literally changing the system. So I tend to be not a great, not a great fan of, of, of independence because they don't do, to my mind, and you please correct me if I'm wrong, they don't do enough for the larger problem. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think independents definitely do have a place, um, in certain governments. I think it's probably in your smaller sort of district municipalities potentially, but in a metro such as ours, it really does mm. come down to a political party because at the end of the day, you've only got three, three big parties, which is the Democratic Alliance, the ANC and the EFF. Yeah. And just 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 general logic and, and mathematics will show you that those that those three parties will often come in in some shape or form. And then you've got one independent who or or, or let's even say five. Um, you know, the IFP is represented by five or six councillors in council. And all that does is become a sway vote. And I often mm. find that a lot of the time when you when you are a kingmaker and a sway voter, um, you can be swayed by your own internal interests as well. Mm. And even with that not being the case, if you do have a single independent that comes in, essentially that that independent is not going to be able to deliver to their constituency on their manifesto. Sure, there will mm. be one or two points, but at the end of the day, you're still going to be sitting in council. You're going to have to vote with a party, mm. and you're either going to vote – for corruption or serious fascist regime or or good clean governance. Um, yeah. And you know, it's in an in an election like this where we've got in in all honesty, we've got fifty five parties contesting here in Durban. 
There are around over just over 2,000 candidates contesting for the 135 wards. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an incredible vote splitter. And yeah. unfortunately, when you split the vote, you do vote for the current government. That does respond to my concern. Change track a little on something that's, you know, as, as, as a citizen just sort of astounds me. I mean, here we have literally services disappearing before our very eyes. And yet 10 years ago or less, um, you would, you would, if the, if the traffic lights went out, our insurance had pointsmen. Um, I haven't seen a pointsman since I think my now adult son was in primary school. Um, the, the, there was, I, I recall, but I, I can't remember the details of it as a private company who was prepared to fill in potholes. Now, none of those, well, one gets the impression that the city council put a stop to those or wouldn't allow those things to happen. Surely it makes sense for, obviously, if the, pro, the projects are properly run and, and managed, that those tie-ups with the private sector can make, just take a huge amount of pressure off the municipality and the municipality would get the, uh, would get the kudos for it. Yeah, I think, I mean, the pointsman, speaking as both a, as both a resident and a, and a councillor, the pointsmen were immensely invaluable. Um, I think you'd often talk to residents and they'd say to them, you know, it's better when they're there and the robots are broken because traffic mm. just moves quicker. Um, I think the company that did it was Discovery. They were Charles offering to, to, I, I do stand to be corrected, but I think it was them. They said that they're filling the potholes. You know, yes. It's, 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 it is a good point. However, if there's anything wrong, if, if something happens to you, just for, for argument's sake, Discovery fills that pothole, they've done a good job, but they didn't manage to pick up that there's potentially a sinkhole forming underneath it. Right. Who would then be held accountable? Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this is why the city is so extreme on not allowing um, private plumbers and private electricians and even private contractors such as Discovery who want to do good work. I, I take nothing away from them. Mm-hmm. But if there is tampering or something goes wrong with that particular um, instrument or piece of infrastructure, then it's still going to be held on the city to be accountable. Yeah, I'm going to leave it there. There is something I'd like to touch on just after your air break, if we can. Okay. Okay. Then then I'm going to suggest we go to it. The timing is good. And Nicole, you said that there was an issue that you wanted to come back to. Yeah. um, So I just wanted to touch on, you know, we spoke about private companies. um, And one of the most painful things, sorry, excuse me, as a ward counselor, is more and more, you know, you see residents paying taxes and rates and mm. more and more they are being asked by the city to potentially take over their park or adopt a substation. Um, and, you know, this is purely because the city can't keep up with, mm. with, the, with the small degree of maintenance that even needs to happen. Just things like making sure that there's a lock on your sub, making sure mm. that your grass is cut. Mm. Um, and it's, it's sort of, it's, it's so these private companies are probably hopping onto that just purely because we're now seeing residents associations who are responsible for beautification and for security. Um, and these are things that we as ward councillors, you, you know, we offer just, just, just to get the job done. We have mm-hmm. to ask our residents to do that. Mm-hmm. But it is the reason I say it's painful is because, you know, you're, you're paying, especially in Johannesburg, these exorbitant fees. Mm, mm. And you're still being asked to pay a little bit more. Mm. Um, so at some point, um, the city really needs to start taking responsibility for its own, for its own assets and its own mm. infrastructure. Um, and really using that taxpayer money to fund it. 
the fact that whoever whoever runs the city, that's going to take a while. Is there any way to sort of formalize it, not necessarily in the highly let's enter into formal contracts, but to formalize the relationship, perhaps even with contracts, to say that, you know, in, uh, temporarily you can make a six month, you know, six month contract yeah. or a year that, 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 that they will be, they will be called upon to do it at a fee and uh, with a view to, to improving things as things go on. Because I think most people, although they're resentful, they, they, they will still do it. They, 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 yeah. um, you know, they, they, they do want to see it done and they do understand the need for rates and taxes to be paid. Um, awful as a result often is. Um, yeah, I think, you know, residents are very willing to do it just because it means that their substation won't be broken into for, you know, for the 10th mm. time in two weeks. <laughs> um, but so City Power has drafted a memorandum of understanding. Um, it is still it is still being discussed um, at a broader level, but they are looking at being able to int- allow residents to adopt substations, obviously not tamper with the infrastructure mm-hmm. inside. But put put lights up, uh, mm. maybe put an alarm on the door, uh, allow mm. private security companies to monitor those those substations, just in the hope of catching thieves. Mm. And mm. where it has worked successfully as well um, is in an area of I can only highlight really an area of mine um, is in Blagari. The community association there took over Kenworthy Circle Park, and mm. they um, you know they paint the play equipment, um, they liaise with city parks when grass cutting needs to happen. And it really is a wonderful relationship, and that park is utilised um, wonderfully, more mm. so than any of our other parks. And that's probably why that park is one of the few that hasn't maybe been targeted by, who um, hasn't been, you know, used by uh, vagrants or yeah. waste pickers, because the area is generally kept clean. So the waste pickers come in, they understand the relationship, they've, you know, they move through the area, and it, and it works yeah. really well. You know, funny, as you're talking, it just makes me think that notwithstanding the resentment of, of, of sort of paying for it, um, I think if, if the city were to be fit, were to be straightforward with residents through associations or groups of, and say, would you be prepared to do the following, look after your park or deal with, we realize, we understand that it shouldn't be your job, but would you, most people are fairly, A, they, it's, it's self-interest, and it's also that sense of if I'm if I get involved and I do it, there's a certain level of particular pride that the area that they're dealing with works or looks good, and and they are they play some role in that. I'm just suggesting that they the, the, the city council with the, with a bit of good decent marketing could really sort of tap in, notwithstanding uh, the, the crises that uh, that we find ourselves in. Oh no, completely. Um, and again, it's, 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 that's been a very common discussion in Blagari as well. You know, those residents, um, did a lot of fundraising and a lot of their money gets put into Delta Park. Um, the, the lady there is extremely well known in the residents and, and the city really appreciate what she does. Mm-hmm. And the, and that association also keeps the area clean generally. Mm-hmm. But where, where the city needs to meet them halfway, which is not happening at the present moment, just on one particular issue is by law enforcement. Mm. Um, illegal traders now because these mm. areas are, 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 are have have a much bigger influx since COVID. Mm. Um, more soup kitchens came in. There's no there's there's basically no by law enforcement. So residents have started you know saying, well we've been cleaning the park, we've been cleaning the pavements, and we're very happy to do that. But why are we cleaning it just to have someone come and sell their illegal wares on the side mm. of the road? 
Mm. So mm. I think residents would be very happy to do that if there is always a halfway partnership with sure. the city. Sure. Well, just, just, I mean, kudos to the DA. I mean, I've just having mentioned earlier that I'd, I'd spent a couple of days in Cape Town. Um, I have a son who lives there and, you know, there is, there is nothing sort of, um, you, you have a gut response to the fact that suddenly you're aware that the little towns you go and visit, and we've driven through most of the country at some point, you drive through a town, a small town that would look like real hell, say in KwaZulu-Natal, and suddenly you realize you're in the Cape, there's, there's no, there's no litter, the, the, the pavements are swept, the, you know, even, even where people are selling it, it's, it's, it's organized. Am I wrong? It can be done. Oh no, it absolutely can be done. Um, and you know, of, of, of course that took time, but I see absolutely no reason why it can't be done. And it literally goes, if you, if, if you apply your budget fairly and properly, you allocate the correct amount of spend to the entities that there's a quality assurance done on those entities when the, when the, when the repairs and maintenance is, is, is completed. You know, it basically, I hate to use this person as, as an example, but when 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 Rudy Giuliani took over New York, um, you know, he just focused on the small things. It was mm. that broken window policy. And from there, you know, New York grew to be the city that it is today. And we've done the same thing in the Western Cape. It was not a, a, a well-off city. And, yes, there are many challenges that we still have to face. Um, but it's far better than what it was. And you don't even have to look as far as the Western Cape. We, you know, we we just looked to Midvale. 40 minutes out mm. from where the city is, and you've got the exact same thing. You've got roads that are roads that are painted, they're smooth, pavements are clean. And the biggest thing there that I really want to highlight is investment. Mm. Mm. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what you do, if you can't attract investment to a city, the city is lost. So mm. I mean in Midvale we've got Heineken, we've got Ferrero Roche, who have you know global companies that have mm. invested in that city just yeah. because it works. You know, the terrible thing about this is that it's not rocket science. It's logic. Um, the, the, the people respond. If a council keeps the streets clean, people respond. People might be less resentful about their rates. If you offer uh, unfettered or sort of uncluttered opportunities for, for investment, they will take place. Um, so it's, it's not, it's, it's, so it, it, what it points to is that the, the governing, the governing party in any environment does makes or breaks an environment because it, it, they set the tone, they set the ability for you to do something. What uh, I'm going to throw a little bit of a, a, a curve ball at you, and finally, because I, I just heard a, a nice uh, little interview of real slagging off from your former um, mayor, Mr. Herman Mashaba. Um, he, he he was none too uh, uh, kind about uh, the DA under his tutelage. Um, what was it like to work for him, under him? It was immensely difficult, just purely from the perspective that I can tell you, I became a councillor in, in, in 2016, mm-hmm. um, and 2020 was the first time that I as a DA councillor had input into the budget. Good God. That, that's, that's just a minor point. Um, yeah. Prior to that, ward councillors, yes, we did IDP, and those IDP um, submissions were were hopefully taken into consideration. Um, but the fact of the matter is we were never consulted as a caucus on how, on, on how we, if, if, if we support or approve a budget, we were given death by PowerPoint one year 
where we, mm. where we were just told this is what will be spent and how it will be spent. And there was no room for discussion. And I think that pretty much sums up Herman's duty. He did not want to listen to his own caucus. Yeah, no, that, uh, that's, that's the impression I have. And I think his caucus was actually really, um, under the heads of the Red Beret, whereas by all accounts, it seems to have been the, uh, Nicole, thank you very, very much for your time. Um, I think, thank you. I think it's incredibly important for people to actually understand why we're in the sort of two stunt that we are in. And, uh, <laughs> perhaps we'll chat sometime after election, see how things go. Um, best luck for the election and, uh, hope you survive on the other side. Thank you very much, and thank you so much for the opportunity.